0: Rinkwide Vancouver as the Canucks defeat the Florida Panthers by a score of five to three, bent in the third period, but they didn't break. And they go to two and two on this road trip, three and two now, early in this new National Hockey League season. Jeff Patterson joined in studio by Chris Faber of Canucks Army and Canucks Convo. He's sitting in as the guest co-host tonight. And Vames, Canucks uh, looked a little dicey there uh, mid-stages of that third period, but uh, credit to them. They respond a minute and two seconds after Sam Reinhart scored his second of the night to tie the game. Andre Kuzmenko gets his second of the season. That turns out to be the game winner, and Brock Besser seals it into an empty net. So 5-3, the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Florida Panthers.
1: We were getting a little bit worried, but just like Kuzmenko, a little bit of patience was all (laughs) we needed there at the end, Jeff. And uh, yeah, I mean... uh, Solid showing, I think, uh, for the most part with this team. I think there was definitely some times in that second period where we're starting to say, "Uh oh," like things are starting to go the same direction that we've seen with some previous games, and and they were able to kind of clean it up in the final five minutes. But I thought the third period a, a little worrisome again. Like right, like I think we're starting to see a little bit of a trend there with this Canucks team.
0: Yeah, this is four straight games now. All of the four that I'm talking about on the road trip, of course, uh, night number one, the eight one romp over the Edmonton Oilers was hard to pick any faults with the Canucks that night. But out on the road, and look, well, it is the road, and and they've been on the road a while now. There's one more stop to go in Nashville on Tuesday. They can't dictate the matchups and those types of things, but there have been long stretches. There's been a period in each of these games. You think back to last Saturday in Edmonton, they were under siege. The Oilers were pressing for the equalizer that never came. Philadelphia, in that second period, the shots were 22-3. to The other night in Tampa, the Bolts kind of pulled away from the Canucks in the late stages of the second. And in the third period here, Florida ties it at three, and I looked at you and I said, the Canucks... They've got to find a way to get something out of this game. They played well enough, I thought, the other night against the Lightning to at least get a game to overtime. If you lose there, you get a single point at the very least. And I kind of felt like for all the work that they had done through the first 40 minutes, and I liked a lot of what the Canucks did in the first couple of periods of this hockey game, they couldn't flush it entirely. Well, forget about getting a single point. Uh, they take both, uh, now pack their bags and head for Nashville and a game on Tuesday. There's lots to get into here. The team performance, individual efforts as well. We're in quite Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog. This, to me, was a masterclass from Quinn Hughes. I mean, we, we you can put that on a loop. You could probably say that about 40 <laughs> times a season. But when you think of the context of the hockey game, they'd lost back-to-back. They start out of the gates 2-0. and The vibe in this city was something that we hadn't seen for a while. Uh, then they go into Philadelphia and they get shut out. And there wasn't a... They were better in Tampa, but obviously not good enough to win. Good teams don't let losing streaks build. Well, Quinn Hughes is the captain of this hockey club. He wants this to be a good team. And I just thought, certainly in the first two periods, he put this team on his back. Uh, He just looked so dialed in and invested in this hockey game. He ends the night with six shots on goal, ten attempts. He scores a power play goal at that. Uh, And I liked a lot of the power play. We can get into that. But Mm. I just thought there was so much to like in Quinn Hughes' game. And again, uh, this isn't a revelation. We've seen him do this now for parts of five seasons at the National Hockey League level. I don't know if he's inspired by his brother who uh, scored the overtime winner last night. A nice individual effort and came into the game with the NHL scoring lead. But uh, this is the kind of game that I think the rest of the National Hockey League, the people that still doubt Quinn Hughes, they have to sit up, they have to take note because he was a dominant force.
1: 25 minutes tonight. It's one of those nights where you just feel comfortable about this Canucks team every time Quinn Hughes is on the ice. And the things that he was able to do in the offensive zone, specifically alongside Philip Heronikin. And we saw this, I think, throughout the night as well, Jeff. Like, the pairing didn't stick together for every shift. We saw a goal against with Tyler Myers on the ice alongside Quinn Hughes. We saw the pairing get shifted around a little bit. And that was mostly in the second period, I felt. Like, I felt like when the game was starting to actually kind of swing in the Canucks' favor a little bit, some of that pairing was being swapped out at times. They spent a, a vast majority of the game playing as a pairing. And what you're seeing with that pairing of Hronick and Hughes to me is just they're spending a lot of time in the offensive zone, but it's not just time. They're out there creating offense from the movement that they have. You see how often they're flipping sides to give each other that one-time option or even just Quinn Hughes more specifically taking a little bit of initiative and going down the left half wall, working his way towards the net, and then whether it's a guy in the slot or you know, getting a shot off on his own. You mentioned the 10 shot attempts and the six on net in this game. You can see offense be generated from a defense pairing And I just, uh, I know how much you love goals from defensemen. I don't know if we've seen a lot of that in the past couple of years, but this pairing, they can do that. They can create offense from the back end in the offensive zone. And it's just something we just haven't seen. Like this is this pairing. I don't know. Something about tonight's game made me just think, okay, like this is this is the future of the Vancouver Canucks' top pairing. You got Heronic. You're going to have to sign him in the offseason here. But this pairing makes a lot of sense moving forward as a top pairing in the NHL.
0: Yeah, and I do like sort of charting goals from defensemen because the Canucks were dead last in that category in the National Hockey League. So there's only one way to go, and that's up. And Tyler Myers scored with the big slap shot the other night. I wasn't expecting Carson Soucy to step into the middle of the ice late on a power play and snap it home, <laughs> uh, but he did. And I had to look at this because Hughes scored on the power play in the first period. Soucy scores on the power play in the dying seconds of the power play in the second period. And I tweeted this out as the game was going on, and I had all sorts of people saying, like, come on, you're making this stuff up. The Canucks scored two power play goals from defensemen in this hockey game they got two power play goals from defensemen in 82 games last season. Not just a little sample size, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, just maybe, uh, we're seeing that. And again, I'm not expecting a ton of power play production from Carson Soucy. I'm not expecting a lot of power play time, quite frankly, mm. from Carson Susie, But I like the play. The Canucks kept that puck alive when it looked like the Panthers might be able to clear. Time winding down. Connor Garland did some good work along the sideboards, and Susie identified. I don't care if you're a... You know, if you're Quinn Hughes and you're a a guy that thinks offense, or if you're Carson Soucy, whose primary job is to defend, you know, good on him to identify that there was a lane to the slot and all these guys can shoot the puck. And, you know, he looked like, I mean, he scored 10 goals in Seattle a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. So I'm not expecting a double-digit goal season from Carson Soucy, but it's always nice to get your first uh, of the season with a new team and all those, and and to contribute. And, look, there's going to be nights where your top guys are held in check. You saw last week in Edmonton, it was fourth line guys. But there's nothing that says that Canuck defenders, other guys, other teams are getting goals from defensemen. So, you know, it doesn't have to be an every night kind of thing, but here in these last two games, three goals from defensemen, uh, I think that's encouraging at the very least. And again, I I know Quinn Hughes said it at the outset of the season he's going to be shooting more. And it's not just a big slap shot. He wants to change the angle, he wants to shoot in stride, he wants to. You know, when he has the puck, he has the puck on his stick so much throughout the hockey mm-hmm. game that it just makes sense that he's going to be able to launch some shots that are going to find their way through traffic and in.
1: I think something we've seen just in the game of hockey, the evolution of shots from a defenseman don't need to be for goals. How often has, you know, in the past 10 years, it feels like the the bank pass off the back there kind of has become a type of way to attack a goaltender. And that's what I feel like with Quinn Hughes and the way he's attacking the net. It's not necessarily about scoring on every shot. It's about creating offense, and offense comes from you know how often do we hear the fans in the arena screaming "shoot"? Like yeah. they're onto something a little bit, <laughs> right? Like they do get it uh, to that point. But with Susie, and you bring up a good point that like scoring ten goals with Seattle, I, I just feel like there's a little bit more confidence in the type of shot that he's going to release compared to some other guys in this lineup so you'd like to see him shoot the puck a little bit more you'd like to see him be the guy on the third pairing who you're looking to be the primary shot from the point point. and you know I think Friedman looked fine in today's game I liked a little bit of the the grit that we've kind of heard about here like we've seen that go on and on and I think there was one point after a whistle him kind of taking some cross checks it looked like he was doing his thing about drawing penalties something he's done so well throughout his NHL short career uh, that he's had but I think the defense, you can talk about the offense coming from the defense today, because I don't know if many of the Canucks consistently stuck out from the forward group saying they had a very good offensive game. It's wild to say because I don't think we said it a lot, but the defense core to me was was a driver of the offense tonight. The defense core is the reason why they were able to create offense was the, you know, what set up for them to put up five goals on the board and ultimately win this game. It's Offense coming from defensemen. And it's something that we love to see because it's something that's been taken away from Canucks fans for a long time. So I have to give props to, you know, it was Quinn Hughes leading the charge, but it was also Horonic being a great support staff for Hughes. And Susie gets the goal like, yeah, it's it's great to see the defense being able to contribute and help kind of put them over the top in a game like this.
0: Quinn Hughes opens the scoring in this game on power play, eleven oh nine. The lead lasted for all of twenty seconds, so not a great bump up shift there. And a lot of people are going to look at Tyler Myers. And yes, you know he, he moves to his man, and and there's a ton of open ice for Barkov. I just I want to see Tyler Myers. Like it's not so much that he attacks defensively it's that he just doesn't win many of his one-on-one battles. And so, yeah, it looks bad when the puck winds up in your net. I'm not sure that it was the wrong play necessarily. I didn't get a lot of support on the back check there. And so certainly people in this market and the temperature is up right now around Tyler Myers. Anyways, 20 seconds after the Canucks had taken the lead on the road, now it's a one-all game. So uh, easy come, easy go in that regard. But let's fast forward to the final six minutes of the hockey game. Florida ties it at three. They've got all the momentum. It feels like the walls are caving in on the Vancouver Canucks. And a minute and two seconds after that, there's the response that the Canucks were looking for. And it was Andre Kuzmenko, his second of the year. has uh, scored in back-to-back Saturdays now. Scored in Edmonton last week and here uh, in South Florida. Phil Giuseppe with some great work along the boards. Frees the puck. And Kuzmenko, you use the word patience, you know, just sits on that puck and waits. And Bobrovsky's down and... Finds the lane to shoot, and sure enough, uh, he's not going to miss from that area of the ice. So with under five minutes to go, the Canucks go back in front, and then Besser seals the deal. Sixth of the year for number six, and it's a 5-3 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. want to take a sec to talk about Kuzmenko because there was a little bit of heat. I know Rick Tockett, before the game, after the morning skate, admitted he thought he had struggled a little bit. He had a strange night in Tampa where he was the Corsi darling, 80%. I mean, that tells you he's spending almost his entire night in the offensive zone. So for a guy who at times has had his defense and his commitment to defense questioned, even if you're not generating offense, you're spending your shifts as far away from your own net as possible. Like there's a positive in that, but he's a 39 goal score last year. Mm-hmm. He does have to find ways to contribute. And he didn't have a shot attempt the other night. He only has one shot on goal in this hockey game. But
1: if you look at his stat line, Chris, the winning goal, he has an assist as well. A pretty he, one as well. That was beautiful. He, Backhand spinning around, right onto Patterson's stick.
0: He draws the assist on Oliver Ekman or the penalty rather on Oliver Ekman Larson that led to the Carson Susi power play goal as well. So there were areas, and then he had a couple of chances with McKayev, and we'll talk about Ilya McKayev and his season debut here. But I, I thought, I thought, yeah, he was quiet the other night, but I didn't think he cost the Canucks against Tappa. It was nice for Kuzmenko to be rewarded and do what he does best, and that ultimately is producing offense for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: And ultimately, I feel that it was somewhat of a quiet night for Kuzmetko. It wasn't one of these brash games where we've seen him be so involved in the play throughout the game, and I think that might be something that Rick Talkett may be working with him on, is let's keep that level base, and I know something he kind of mentioned uh, in, the, in one of the uh, pregame availabilities was just trying to keep him more inside, keep him closer to his teammates. Yep. So maybe you don't see that, that massive kind of shaping of the game by Kuzmenko. Instead, he can just contribute. And I think that's exactly what he did tonight. It was great to see him obviously get a couple of points. The goal was beautiful. It's the game winner ultimately in the end. Uh, the pass that he makes, we've seen a couple of those, uh, you know, spinning backhand passes not go his way. Earlier in this game, it went his way. It was a great pass to Elias Patterson, who absolutely ripped a wrist shot to get the uh, get the early lead for the Vancouver Canucks. I think that made it 3-1 at that point in the second period. And, and I tell you what, like that line to me, they weren't the – you know, we saw the lineup come out before the game, and you're thinking, well, oh, Pedersen's been a top-line guy a lot of this time for this Vancouver Canucks team. Not tonight. You look at the ice time, and you see JT Miller and Brock Besser being the forwards leading the way. Uh, you see them both over 21 minutes tonight, and that was impressive to see from those guys. You got Miller at 22:43 and Brock Besser at 21 minutes. That's playing like a top line, and I really think that it's not just the points. And you can talk about what you saw from Miller. You had a two-point night from him. You have the goal for Brock Besser, obviously, with the net empty. But I liked that line throughout, the peanut butter and jelly line, Jeff. (laughs) I think we've seen this line come together and play like a top line. And as much as people want to say Phil DiGiuseppe isn't a first-line player, I agree. But he's playing like one right now. He's playing like a first-line player in this role that he's with on that line. And he knows he has to work. Like you have to give PDG credit. He is working that position correctly in the line that he's on right now. And you gotta give them some praise. Like they they have been a solid line for this Vancouver Canucks team, and they're the ones getting the tough matchups. So through and through, solid for that trio.
0: And I think too, I mean, just the amount that Rick talk at harps about board battles and wall work and everything else, when a filthy Giuseppe does that and he follows the coach's directive to a T, and it results in goal the way that it did for Kuzmenko, like, of course, talking, it's going to rip that video and show it. And it's sort of that reinforcement of, you know, this is what I want other guys This is what I want to to Joshua mm. ultimately to be doing Sam Lafferty, Jack Dika, if you're going to play in the lineup. And, you know, now that McKay is back, we saw that Nils Hoaglander came out tonight. I don't think it's always going to be Nils Hoaglander. And so some of those other guys, they're going to have to follow the lead of PDG uh, and it's not always going to yield goals, but you have to get in and do the grunt work and the spade work and ultimately uh, win your share of the battles because good things can and will result if you uh, are as ferocious on the puck as a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe is. Rink-White Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. just want to take a moment here to look at our Bodog line of the night. And we're looking at NHL futures. and bodog has got the updated Stanley Cup odds. Here we go, Jeff. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. No, I wasn't (laughs) going to start uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, although we'll mention the Canucks. But you can get the defending champs at 10-1 to right now. And Vegas off to an incredible start. Colorado is off to a fine start as well. Both of those teams, in fact, are at plus 1,000 to win the Stanley Cup. The Vancouver Canucks, they got some work to do, obviously, but uh, the Canucks are on the board at uh, plus 4,000. So uh, if you think that this win against the Florida Panthers is going to spur the Vancouver Canucks on uh, to this incredible run, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. But uh, there you go. You can check out uh, the futures. You can check out Lines of the Night uh, at Canada's source for poker tips, casino games, and sports odds. Uh, let's get to Mikhaev because uh, this was good news for him and for the Vancouver Canucks. And, and I was curious, how are they going to use him? Uh, you know, he's got a couple of days here between games. Like, I think this was – and this road trip was interesting to have five games and get as far as you can geographically from Vancouver and no back-to-backs. But, you know, if – Mikheyev is a little sore when he wakes up in the morning. You know, he doesn't have to get right back at it. Uh, Probably a day off on Sunday, Monday practice, and then they play in Nashville to round out the trip on Tuesday. So I would expect that, uh, you know, worked off a little bit of rust. The first game in almost nine months, coming off knee surgery. And, you know, he's on the score sheet. He picks up the second assist on the Pedersen goal. uh, Had four shots on goal. Played 13 minutes and three seconds. So they kind of eased him in early in the hockey game. J.T. Miller takes a holding penalty. In fact, in the first minute, J.T. Miller takes. So there's a forward that does a lot of penalty killing. You put him in the penalty box. I was curious: was McKayev going to see penalty killing duty? He didn't. And I think you know this was sort of. I, I think the Canucks handled him well. I, you know, just kind of ease him back, even strength, um, and let him try to find his legs and his and get the speed of the game again. And. You know, he had the one rush we both looked in the first period where he saw a little bit of open ice and t- drive wide on the on the left side. You know, he'll get faster as he goes here. But I think all things considered and contributing to a connect victory, you have to call this a successful night for Ilya Mikheyev.
1: Yeah, it got me thinking about last season when Mikheyev, who obviously wasn't at 100%, even when he was playing last year, was able to just be involved in so many scoring chances and you could see you saw flashes of it tonight and I think we we kind of talked about this before the game started but just like what the expectation was and I feel like I would have told you before the game he's gonna play 13 minutes you've been like yeah great that sounds good for a guy coming back from a torn ACL and surgery and everything that he's gone through I think that this is a good start for him I still believe that there's a lot to grow from this game I do think a lot of this was shaking off the rust feeling out the pace of play not having a preseason all this stuff that you know we hear players talk about when they don't get the opportunity to kind of warm their way up into a regular season game we got that with Ilya Mikheyev and still through that and battling the rust and battling the difficulty to jump into an NHL game I thought he was effective enough I think in the 13 minutes he was on the ice for quite a few scoring chances and a lot of them were around his stick around the net which is what you want to see from Ilya Mikheyev on that line I didn't think he was the demon on the forecheck that we saw last year, and I think that's going to come, right? Like, we, you shouldn't have the highest expectations for a guy as he's coming back from this type of injury. But I think he exceeded what I had for expectations in this game, and I wasn't expecting him to drop two and have a hell of a game and, you know, blow it up in that debut. But scoring chances, I was impressed with the amount of scoring chances he was involved in at 5-on-5. Five five.
0: He's a smart player, and I think you could see that. That you know, he had the knee operated on. It wasn't the the hockey IQ wasn't removed uh, over these nine months. And again, this is his jumping on point, And I thought he was uh, more than all right. So uh, hopefully, he can stay healthy. I mean, that's been the knock on him. Uh, just hasn't been able to play you know an entire season ever. Uh, in his time at the National Hockey League, I think 54 games is his career high. So he's got time here getting back in in game number five of the season. Let's hope that he can stay healthy and keep it going here. Uh, I just find this hilarious because we have touched on the Canuck win. We have t- touched on the resolve. We've talked about Quinn Hughes. We've talked about Kuzmenko. We've talked about McAv. Elias Patterson leads the National Hockey League in scoring. He had two more points in this game. He was held off the sheet like all of his teammates were in Philly. Otherwise, he's had a multi-point game in every other game that he has played, and it almost feels like we take this guy for granted now that <laughs> 20 minutes into a post-game pod where they you know, bounce back from back-to-back losses and they win, and he scores, and he you know, gets an
1: assist on the opening goal as well. Oh, yeah, Elias Petterson just another night at the office for EP40. It just felt like the way you were leading into that. I thought you were going to say Casey DeSmith. I thought <laughs> we were going to say we haven't talked about we Casey DeSmith up to this point. Surprised had a, we didn't talk about him before, Patterson, <laughs> as well. That but we'll, we'll talk about Patterson because, yeah, he obviously scores the, the wonderful goal. I mean, that's a spot where if he gets any type of time and space, he's going to make that shot count. And that was exactly what we saw today. On top of that, I thought that, like, I, I I think something, I think something's bugging him a little bit. Yep. I think you can clearly see that in the last couple of games here. Something is bugging him, and and the extra day off here before Nashville is, you know, with players like Mikhaev and Pedersen, I think that's going to be huge for them. The fact that they're playing on the same line with a guy like Mik- or Kuzmenko who just scored, he probably wants to get back on the ice tomorrow, but to watch them kind of develop their line a little bit and try and get back to what they were doing when they were a trio last season is going to be interesting. I just, you're right, like, Pedersen is now just a magnet for points. I think we need to, I think Canucks fans have realized that. I think the NHL is starting to realize that. And you're going to see this type of player from the way that he plays the game, the way that he's evolved his intelligence on the ice from being a guy who we really like to see how, how good he played defensively. I think he's starting to be able to outsmart players around the league on now just being a points producer. I think that's what he does so well is – uses a cerebral play and the way that he's developed his game and just his strengths, right? Like he's smarter than everyone on the ice. It feels like on every single shift and it's starting to show up on the points now with him throughout the season. So I, I tell you what, it, it is wild to go this far to the, <laughs> to the show here in the post game pod and not mention Elias Pettersson, because I think we're almost getting comfortable with this, exactly, like, like this level that we're yeah. seeing from him. This is kind of where we're at. It's it's, it's expected for. But him. I'm with
0: you, and we talked about this on the pod the other like the magic, those moments where you're just in sheer awe of his skill and talent and the way he can control games. I don't think that's really been there yet, and the guy's got ten points in his first yeah. five games, and those nights will come if he is playing through something. Then it's even more impressive that he's putting up the points that he is, but I don't think he has taken over games and looked unstoppable. So if this is Elias Patterson with his B game, look out National Hockey League because uh, he's off to an incredible start. Mom and dad uh, making the Florida junket. They probably wish that, uh, like Talkett said before the trip, a couple months down the road, you want the floor. You want that Florida trip on the schedule in January, not so much uh, October, but a good chance for Elias Petterson's parents to get over and uh, see him do his thing. And boy, he's doing his thing. And so, uh, two goals, eight assists now on the season for Elias Petterson. And I know that like it's a second assist on the opening goal by Hughes, but I'm not sure that goal happens unless he is like right on the like you know, Brad Hull and toe in the in the in the blue paint. Uh, this isn't the Stanley Cup final, but. You know, Bobrovsky looked right to the referee. He thought maybe there was some interference. Panthers didn't challenge. because I think they recognized that Elias Pettersson is a smart player. We know that. He knew where he was and where his body was. Takes Bobrovsky's eyes away. Elias Pedersen, net front presence. He does everything else.
1: Why not net front presence on the power play as well? (laughs) No, but you bring up a good point. He was smart enough to not have the foot in the crease, and we were watching it, and they had the side view, and we're watching the replay, and we're thinking, he could not have been any closer. He looked like a wide receiver tiptoeing like Santonio Holmes in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Like, you know, this type of intelligence helps so much in every asset of the game, and you saw that with Elias Pedersen on a play like that, where, yes, he, you know, picks up the assist, I guess, on him, the secondary assist, but... You know, give him another one for that screen. That couldn't have gone any better for Quinn Hughes to be able to get that shot. And that's kind of to circle back on what I said earlier about Quinn Hughes creating scoring chances. Like, yes, he's shooting to score a goal on that one, but there's a scoring chance being created from the intelligence of players being able to link together and understand what's about to happen. I, I thought it was great. And I, to your point about, like, Pedersen hasn't taken over a game, I think you can look five games into this Canucks season and say, I don't think any Canucks player has. Like, through five games, aside from, I guess, Brock Besser's opening night where he scores four goals, but, you know, that was, it's an 8-1 game, I, yeah. so it's hard. I, I feel thought like Quinn
0: Hughes in the first 40 minutes of this one mm-hmm. had the kind of performance that you, like, got a little dicey in the third, yeah. but it looked like the Canucks were going to win this game after two periods. They had mm-hmm. a big second, and Quinn, just everything he touched, seemed to be working for him. I would put this as a step above some of the other performances, but... You just you know what's coming with Elias Patterson. At some point, there's yeah. going to be these nights where we're just absolutely raving about him uh, for the way that he controls a game. Here, he's just doing what he does, and he's so talented that the points are following him around. You could say Elias Patterson is motoring these days. Ooh. And if you're in the market for a new ride, uh, check out our friends at the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, Right now at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Langley, Applewood Surrey, you can finance the 2023 Rogue from just 3.99%. You can lease or finance the 2023 2024 Leaf from 6.99%. So you want to make sure that uh, if you're in the market for a new automobile, check out uh, our friends at the Applewood Auto Group. It's all good. At Applewood, and it turned out that it was all good for the Vancouver Canucks. There was a lot of good in a 5-3 victory over the Florida Panthers, 4-down, 1-to-go on this five-game road trip. This is Rink-Wide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise,
1: fill the Dome.
0: Breaking down a 5-3 victory for the Vancouver Canucks over the Florida Panthers. Canucks are now 3-2 in the season, 2-2 two two on this road trip through into Nashville on Tuesday. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, but we haven't talked about him, so... Let's get to Casey DeSmith, who is Mr. Saturday Night. He was uh, a winner in his Canucks debut last Saturday in Edmonton. He was busy, man. Was he busy in the third period. Panthers outshoot the Canucks 19-4 in the third, to 36-31 on the night. Uh, but like the team in front of him, bent a little bit but didn't break. And he's now 2-0 as a Vancouver Canuck. And that came after a preseason where I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, all of his outings, preseason, regular season, have been fairly impressive for this guy, and that's good news for him. It's good news for the hockey club, and I just think that these types of performances, obviously Rick Tockett's going to have confidence in him, the teammates are going to have confidence in him, and he's probably going to earn more starts in the early going than I would have imagined. I I was in that camp that thought the Canucks were going to ride Demko and ride him hard early on, but he was busy this week in Philadelphia and Tampa. And DeSmith earned a start here. You keep Demco fresh for a conference opponent to wrap up the road trip in Nashville. But Casey DeSmith, again, just, you know, it, it's not enough to give Demco nights off. If this team's going to
1: get where it wants to go, they're going to need some results from the backup and can't do any better than 2-0. Yeah, you're liking what you're seeing so far. It's strange to, to watch DeSmith because we watch Demco so often, and yep. this is a very different type of way to play the goaltending position here with DeSmith. I think it's a little bit more... I would say, I guess you could say he's like more of an athletic-reliant goaltender a little bit, more than sort of like an angles goaltender like Thatcher Demko. And and yeah, it's a little bit of a different mix for sure, but he's been solid through. And I'm, I'm curious to see how his game develops more with Ian Clark, uh, who I believe is more of a goaltending coach that really tries to talk about angles and positioning more than you know playing as an athletic goaltender. So I think that we can kind of grow from here, but to see where we've gotten early on in the season from DeSmith, like, you're starting with a pretty good base level to build on already with him. And you're right, like, Mr. Saturday Night, he's he's been exactly what the Vancouver Canucks need at the backup position so far in the season. And, man, we're, we're so early into the year, but this is still the results that we've seen. So we have to grade what the backup's done off to this spot. Perfect, right? He's been perfect as a backup goaltender up to this point. Like, two years ago, when Thatcher Demko
0: was at the sort of height of his game so far in the NHL... And he played a ton, and ultimately they kind of warmed down. Yarrow Halak was the backup that year. And Yarrow Halak was really good by the numbers for the Vancouver Canucks, but they didn't score for him. The team wasn't very good, we know that. And that was the year Travis Green got fired. Bruce Boudreau comes in, and Bruce kind of fell in love with Demko, as coaches do, and he leaned on him early on. But Yarrow Halak didn't deliver his first win that season until December the 8th. Hmm. We're not out of October, and this guy <laughs> has won both of his starts, so that is a great sign for him. He just looks like a very competent, very capable National Hockey League backup. Now, to your point, it's a little scrabbly at times around him, and you're right, Demko. When he's on, just makes it. There's such an economy of motion. He makes goaltending look relatively easy, even though we know that it's one of the hardest positions in sport. But I do think that the more that Casey Smith gets to work with. Uh, Ian Clark, the more that he gets to work with, you know, a defense core that has sort of been in a state of flux. Carson Susie getting into the lineup now. They're still trying to figure out what they've got in Mark Friedman. And all the, you know, I, I, you hope that he can continue to settle in, but the baseline here is pretty strong to start and think about last Saturday, like the Oilers were out for revenge after what happened. You knew that like they were going to come out charging the way they did and score in the first shift of the hockey game. And, and it's McDavid and it's Dreisaitl. And that's going to produce some scrambly play in front of you. So there were a few moments here. Again, the Canucks were back on their heels for a lot of the third period, but he gives up three, but he doesn't give up that fourth one. And that's two on the road against good opponents. These guys went to the Stanley Cup final last year. Like you gave up three, but your team scored enough to get you the results. So I, I thought, uh, you know, just a really, another really solid performance from
1: Casey to Smith. He faces 36 shots tonight, faced 40 last Saturday. So it's not like he's, you know, having some pretty easy nights facing 24 shots. I mean, this Canucks team is still giving up a lot of shots against so far up to this point, And I think that there was a better job today of kind of limiting that. We saw a couple little scrambles around the net where it was two three shots consecutively back to back on them and and yeah I think that that's something that could be cleaned up like kind of getting a body on a guy around the crease a little bit more is obviously going to help that it's like you got some big bodies in Tyler Myers and Ian Cole you want to just see them if they're not I think there was it was on the Barkov goal where Ian Cole misses on the poke check like at the last second right like he's a little bit late Tyler Myers pinch gave Barkov the opportunity to come in and Ian Cole misses with the check there the stick check I mean i think with those players you want to see them kind of take body a little bit and not necessarily on breaks as much as the plays that are scrambling pucks around the crease but get your get your hands on a body like if you're gonna miss the puck why not just disrupt the player around the net as well and with the bigger bodies guys like tyler myers who you know frankly do miss a lot on their poke checks and their stick checks around the crease it's it's difficult when you're that high up to to have the accuracy or something but take a body at that point, maybe that's going to help your goaltending a little bit, just at least not having such high danger chance after high danger chance, and even if they're kind of fast-paced coming at you, getting a body on someone's are going to really help limit that, and I think with help from forwards coming down low and Rick Tockett being more of a physical coach to kind of get from his players here, I think that's something we'll see a little bit more of, and the good thing about DeSmith is the way that I've kind of talked about him here being more of an athletic instead of positional kind of guy right now, he's going to make that adjustment, but I also like that I think that's his strength. I think his strength is movement. I think he's a, a, you can see how quick he can actually move around the crease there, and there are certain times where you're, he almost does a 360 to spin around to the other <laughs> side, and we've seen that multiple times this yeah. season. I don't know if that's going to stick around with Ian Clark getting his hands in there, uh, but at least he's been able to kind of play to his strength and have success. I think it's going to be adjusted a little bit, and he won't be leaning so much on that type of play uh, as we move forward here, and as he gets more time with the goaltending coach, but man, like, you can't ask for much better from the backup right now. Get the get the 360
0: out of your game and everything will be just fine. Uh, I thought the Canucks did a really nice job for him on the penalty kill. And the penalty kill got torched the other night in Tampa. And this remains sort of this ongoing like, you know, they sunk the resources into the penalty kill, but they really didn't have a whole lot to show for it. I mean, it came into the game, the penalty kill is essentially at the same percentage as it was uh, at the end of last season, which wasn't anywhere close to good enough. But... Here tonight, they kill off both Florida power plays. They hold the Panthers to just three shots on goal in four minutes of power play time. And I thought the penalty kill midway through the second period, at 3-1, to Pedersen has just scored. The Canucks have scored a power play goal of their own in the period. And then Carson Soucy got called for tripping. If Florida scores there, they make it a 3-2 game. There's a ton of time left in the second and then the whole third. You know, for me, there are always moments in a game. And I thought that was a big one for a penalty kill that... You know, has been under scrutiny for the better part of a couple of seasons now. And I thought it really rose to the challenge in that moment there. Uh, Elias Peterson was part of it and he had a giveaway at one point, but you can see when he knows he's made a mistake and it's almost like you can see fire in his eyes that like he's going to be hell bent on making sure <laughs> that the mistake doesn't come back to cost them. And so uh, eventually he was able to get the puck and, and get it out and, and compensate for his earlier error. But I just thought to me, I noted that as the game went along, that was a big penalty kill for a team that had to have a big penalty kill.
1: How nice is it to say the Vancouver Canucks can have a big, yeah, penalty kill? Absolutely. Right? It, it is. At least that's something that we've seen consistently throughout the five games this year is it's clear to see that the penalty kill has improved. I think the goals that we've seen against early on in the season are players running into each other, having major mistakes and those compounded mistakes that Rick talk has talked about. But the overall general view of how they're killing penalties feels a lot more, I guess, just NHL level.
0: Yeah, again, I mean, the penalty kill sunk the Canucks the other night in Tampa. It sunk them on so many nights last year that it is nice to be able to talk about that, and hopefully there'll be more nights ahead for the Vancouver Canucks where the penalty kill comes through for them, helps them get the job done. Don't have the updated percentages on the fly here, but uh, uh, speaking of percentages... Uh, we always talk about our our mortgage man uh, here at Rinkwide Vancouver. Jason Hominick is Rinkwide's mortgage partner. If you have a great rate on a mortgage, but you still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now's the time to reach out. You can find him online, jasonhominick at jason.com mortgage the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Florida Panthers 5-3 we want to get to our three stars of this hockey game the Rinkwide Vancouver three stars we'll also come up with a stat that stands out I know we've thrown a bunch of numbers out there uh but we'll come up with the stat that stands out here on this Saturday as the Canucks defeat the Panthers 5-3 on to Nashville to wrap up the road trip this is Rinkwide Vancouver And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, we've covered off an awful lot here on this portion of the post-game podcast to this point. But uh, we're going to get to our three stars. We will come up with a stat that stands out. We've mentioned Brock Besser's name I just want to take the conversation a little different or at least in a different direction because he scores his sixth of the season, Chris, five games into this year. He had four, obviously, on opening night. Loved the goal the other night in Tampa. Uh, A lot like his first goal of the season where, you know, he's looking like old Brock Besser, the sniper Brock Besser. This one goes on his account uh, from 150 feet away. But I like the fact that Brock Besser was out there. In that situation, that's not always been the case in his time in the NHL, but it spoke to, you know, what you talked about earlier, just the, the way that, you know, that line that Rick Tokett's viewing that line and the way that they play at both ends of the ice. So I thought that part was interesting. But look, if Brock Besser is going to get to thirty goals, if this is gonna be the year finally, that he becomes a 30-goal scorer in the National Hockey League, he's going to need a couple of freebies along the way. So good on him, and I hope that uh, there are a couple other empty net opportunities that he finds, because uh, anybody that puts up big numbers in this league, they give you a scratch below the surface. There's always some some empty netters uh, on, on the record book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that He was kind of rewarded for being out there late, though, too, right? It's not necessarily just about a guy going out there and, you know, he's he's not out there cherry-picking. He's trying to keep his team in the game, a one-goal lead you are protecting at the end there, and you're down a man. So to earn that trust from the coach, I think, says as much about, you know, being the guy who actually finds the actual empty net with your shot. It's more about he's actually being used in this position. And you can say the same about JT Miller and Phil Giuseppe, who I thought both had great games. Uh, I got a stat of the night for JT Miller whenever we want to get to that. But yeah, I think Besser is going to need to add a few of these to get to that 30 mark. He's going to have to stay healthy as well. But I think right now the biggest thing is keeping that trio together because they've been an effective line. They seem to understand each guy knows his role on that trio, right? Phil DiGiuseppe needs to work his ass off. He needs to be the guy working extremely hard. JT Miller... He kind of gets to play to his strengths a little bit. He can be the playmaker. He can be the shooter. And the thing that I like about Brock Besser understanding his role in this trio now is you're going to be the goal scorer, but goals are scored around the net. Goals are scored around the crease in the high danger areas. And we've seen Brock do that more than any other season, even his rookie season where he scored all those goals. This year feels like the year where he's understanding that the best spot to score a goal is the high danger areas. And that's where he's spending a lot of his time on that trio, whether it's waiting for DiGiuseppe and Miller to work a puck out of the boards or coming in down on a rush and just knowing to go straight to the net. Like, that's something that's changed here. And you want it to continue going all season long. Like, I I guess I look at all the lines, and you can look at the lines that were used tonight. I would think that that's the trio that stays together the longest right now. And yep. that's interesting to say with Phil DiGiuseppe being there because he doesn't feel like a first-line player. But the way that they're playing, I look at the lines through five games, and I say, that's probably the one that's going to get broken up the last. Right.
0: But with Mikhaev back now, like that gives Tockett you know, a fairly big body to get in on the four-check on that line. That's True. DiGiuseppe's role. You had Garland and Bovillier really dropping down to the fourth line. Why? Because Sam Lafferty, another guy that hustles and hits and all the like, – he got the promotion as those other two guys dropped on the depth chart in this hockey game. So Tockett's got one of his sort of guys now on each of the top three lines. And again, I thought the fourth line was okay in this game. Like I think Beauvillier's been better the last couple of nights than he was early in the season. There's still nothing to show for it, and that can't continue, uh, especially now that McKay is back and we talked about there's going to be decisions to be made about who's going to come out of the lineup. Like I hope Hoglander gets back in there on Tuesday and that somebody else can come out, but... Uh, that's a decision for another night. Hey, one of the storylines coming into this game was old friend Oliver ekman Larson and how much he's been playing for the Florida Panthers without Ekblad and without Montour. Uh, boy, his ice time was low tonight, uh, 21 minutes and 33 seconds for him. That was uh, He's been up over 26 on two occasions already. Uh, took the penalty that we talked about, uh, and it was Kuzmenko drawing the, the penalty in front of the net in the blue paint uh, in the second period, and that led to uh, the Carson Soucy power play goal. So OEL's night, three shots on goal, five attempts, 21 minutes and 33 seconds of ice time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, didn't notice him as much as sort of, uh, you know, he's been played up here of late. <laughs> like, And, again, he's a great opportunity for him, and it's I, I think ultimately... You know out of the Vancouver spotlight there aren't huge expectations the contract doesn't follow him around uh, he can just go and play and he was okay and I think there'll be a lot of nights this season where you know that, that look like this for Oliver Ekman Larson but uh, certainly wouldn't say that he was a standout by any means on the Panthers defense
1: no I think he was a player that um, had his name called quite a bit yep. I think he you can tell he's a big part of what that defense core looks like but uh, they got some injuries there um, but for now, I think they will probably be, I have to think that the Panthers are pretty happy with how he's playing for them up to this point in the season, yeah. right? I think it's, uh, it yeah, was okay, but yeah, taking the penalty, that's a big one, right? And, you know, him being on pp one's interesting up yeah. to that as well. But I think, yeah, I mean, I thought his name was called quite a bit. I think that he was a guy that, uh, didn't bring a lot to the game in a positive way, but he was certainly around the puck a lot, it felt like, and i I don't know. Maybe it's just that, that number 91 really threw me through a loop. <laughs> like, I, I can't think of another defenseman that wore 91. Like No. Nope. It's it's a wild one to me. Yeah, I think of uh,
0: Sakic and Stamkos, obviously, mm-hmm. and Tarasenko. And, yeah, lots of forwards. Uh, it is unique. I'm not sure what the backstory is there, but uh, he is. Number 91 for the Florida Panthers. All right, let's get to the three stars of this hockey game. And these are the rink-wide three stars. Uh, we always like to see what happens in the rink. Uh, the three stars as announced in the building. The building is now Amaranth Bank Arena. It's had so many names over the years. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko is the first star, Sam Reinhardt the second, and EP40 was the third. Uh, I have no issues with any of those, the ones that I've jotted down as the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. I've got Kuzmenko as the number one star, goal and assist, draws the penalty. I've got Reinhardt uh, with his two goals, and he's on fire to start the season. He's got six goals. Uh, to start the year, like Brock Besser, and he certainly spearheaded the comeback for the Panthers. Uh, but I've got Quinn Hughes again. I just we've talked a lot about him. I just want to recognize the the kind of night. I thought that was leadership personified at both ends of the ice. So uh, you know, keep more of that, and I'm sure there will be more of that from Quinn Hughes. I've got Quinn Hughes as my third star for this one.
1: Yep, 25 minutes, and I I don't disagree with your selections there at all. Reinhardt gets the two goals. He's got to be in there. Uh, but I do I do agree with you putting Quinn Hughes into that third spot. Twenty five minutes tonight, right? I mean, it's one of those one of those nights that I think uh, in a similar way to how we talked about Elias Pettersson being so so much uh, more consistent with his great play. I think you have the same expectation for Queen Hughes. And you put him in at third star, even though it was the first goal against he's been on the ice for I this know. season as well. But he made it over 100 minutes. We can we can look past that. It's, <laughs> he was going to get scored on. It was going to happen <laughs> Yeah, uh, just like they were going to
0: lose after the 2-0 start. And, uh, you know, again, I think it was important. I mean, who knows how this season plays out. But, you know, they lost three in a row. Then it puts pressure going into Nashville to try and salvage the road trip. You don't want to slip too far below 500. They don't have to worry about that. They're back above 500 now with three wins and two losses on the season. Hey, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Here's what you do. You go to drinkag1.com slash rinkwide vancouver. That's drinkag1.com slash rinkwide vancouver. Be sure to check that out. All right, time for the stat that stands out. You had mentioned that uh, you had something you wanted to get into with JT Miller.
1: Yeah, so JT Miller, uh, big minutes night for him tonight. He ends up finishing with twenty-two forty-three. That's not my stat. He, my stat is that he led the Vancouver Canucks in individual scoring chances with five individual scoring chances tonight. And I thought that that line, like it, I, I said it before earlier on in this pod, but. I've been very impressed with their ability to do something that I think the rest of the Canucks struggled with in a couple of their losses was turn offensive zone possession time into scoring chances. And that's something that JT Miller does well. And I think it's something that just clicks with that trio, right? It almost feels like, you know, in volleyball, when you get the ball sent over, you want to bump, set, spike. It feels like Phil DiGiuseppe is the bump, you got JT Miller as the set, and right now Brock Besser's been the spike up to this point in this season. And that's kind of the way that I saw it tonight, and I thought that JT Miller did a great job once again of being impactful early, whether it be physical or offensively, and then late in the third period, defensively as well, being able to be trusted to be the guy going out there when you're six versus five. I thought it was another good game for him. I thought it was another send-a-message type of game from JT Miller of really being... You know, the I almost want to call it like the that's kind of like the coach's line right now, right? Like, yep. as good as yeah, the yeah. Pedersen line is playing, it feels like that line is going to create offense and be a little bit flashier. Rick Talkett, I think, plays that JT Miller line as his first line because that's the type of line that he expects to be the one leading this Vancouver Canucks team moving forward. So, uh, individual scoring chances for five today. Like that one. Uh,
0: I'm going to go with the fact that Philip Peronic. Played 10 minutes and 11 seconds of the third period. Now, kind of lost his man on the tying goal behind the net. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen. He's matching up against the best players on the other side. Florida was really pushing at that point. But it just shows you what Adam Foote, who handles the defenseman, uh, thinks of his abilities, his capabilities. Uh, to handle big minutes, all situations. And so as good as Quinn Hughes was and that pairing together, uh, absolutely controlled play for much of the night. But Phil Aronick playing more than half of the third period as the Vancouver Canucks were trying to protect the lead and then trying to regain the lead, and ultimately they did, and they win it by a score of 5-3. Hughes ended up with more ice time on the night. But coming into this game, Philip Aronick was actually the Canucks ice time leader through the first four and it'll be interesting to see if that continues, if Quinn Hughes starts to pull away. But they're both going to play a lot. They'll play a lot together, it looks like. And and they're both going to play in all situations. So uh, whether it's 1-2 or 2-1, I, I think it's safe to say that those will be the leading ice time guys for the Vancouver Canucks uh, all season long. But a big workload for Philip Hronick in the third period of this one. That's what stat, uh, that is a stat that stands out for me. Uh, all right, uh, just as we conclude here... You know, it's not a perfect effort. It's a perfect result for the Vancouver Canucks, but they do have to find a way to start tilting the ice back in their favor when these other teams start to push. And I get score effects, and yeah, it's good that they had done what they had done in the first 40 minutes, and you could expect a floor to push, but... It just it can't continue for ten, twelve, fifteen minutes at a time, and yeah. we've seen that in each of these four games here out on the road trip, where the other team has absolutely slanted the ice, and it just kind of feels like the Canucks are are holding on for dear life.
1: And it's it's not great to have that in one period. It's dangerous to have that in third periods. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're starting to see from this Vancouver Canucks team. And I don't think it's because of conditioning. I think this is a well conditioned team up to this point. Everybody's coming here in better shape. It's. It's to me more about breakouts and I think it's more about being able to disrupt possessions in your own zone and kind of be able to make that transition from the other team having possession to you getting up to the center ice with the puck on your stick. I think they're struggling in that area Uh more specifically in the third periods. I mean the Canucks were outshot 19 to 4 Yikes. in the third period yeah. tonight and yeah, they turned it on in the final six minutes right that final final commercial break I was you know you and I were talking about this we said like They've played well enough to earn a point, but they also played well enough to earn a point uh, in Tampa Bay the other night. So this was going to take them taking a point, and they ultimately end up taking two, and Andre Kizmenko scores a goal right after they come back from commercial break, and we're thinking this is awesome, and you know this is what that team needed to do was seize a point. They ended up seizing two, and I think it was even better than we thought because we got a goal out of it. Instead of just them kind of swinging the momentum back, they did that with a goal, which is Part of the lineup might just do that, right? Like there are times where I think, and we've kind of touched on this, just the the Miller line, they can swing momentum without a goal. I think when you look at the Pedersen-Kuzmenko-Mikheyev line, you're like, okay, you're swinging momentum with production, actual goals happening. Like that's the difference to me. It's, you know, you have a forward line, you have a scoring line. I think that's the way it kind of feels like. It's like a top line and a scoring line, and the scoring line stepped up today in the third period when they needed it, but you need the rest of the lineup to have that pushback in third periods. And, this can't be something that you consistently do all season long because playoff teams don't get outshot 19-4 to 4 in third periods. And I know that you've talked about this isn't just a one-time thing right, right. now up to this point in the season. This is something we've seen quite a bit uh, in the first five games. Of the yeah,
0: league. just want to see them stabilize a little bit better than they have, but saying that they've won more than they've lost uh, through five games and four of those games have been out on a, a lengthy road trip that finishes up in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena on Tuesday night. Yeah, you, know, you look at the final score sheet. And you see Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Andre Kuzmenko, Brock Besser. You want to believe if you get that kind of production from those guys that you're going to win more often than not. And certainly that was the case tonight where they bent, and it was a 3 all tie at one point, but uh, the Canucks responded, got the goals they needed, and they take the two points off the Florida Panthers. Hey, this was fun, Uh, and I know that uh, we'll be doing this uh, more as we go, don't have uh, a full schedule ahead, but I think, uh, early in November, you're going to be back in here for another one of mm-hmm. these. So looking forward to that one, but, uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts and your insights. Just before we run, uh, you were out in Abbotsford last night for the Abbotsford Canucks home opener. Uh, it looked like they played well, Pod Colson with an absolute rocket. Uh, they come out on the short end of the score, but some of that is because Dustin Wolf. Shouldn't be allowed to play in the American Hockey League anymore. Like, no. he is too good for the AHL.
1: Yeah, Dustin Wolf reminds me of when I was six foot two and 12 years old. Like, I was just, <laughs> you, there are certain people that just should not be playing against that type of level of competition. And man, like, yeah, Dustin Wolf stole a game from, I think, 41 shots on net. He ends up only allowing two. There was consistent pressure from the Abbotsford Canucks team in that game. I thought RCD Baines looked great. I mean, this, this guy has added a step, and that was what everybody wanted to see uh from d Baines, I also like and kind of seeing what's going on in the NHL with the right shot defense, I've been very impressed with Jet Wu in the first three games of the h l season right now. I'm actually you know, I'm gonna be able to to watch Abbotsford's game uh, Saturday night as well and kind of react to that a little bit uh, as as we get out of here. but uh, I think Jet Wu's one to watch here. I think that he he took this off season real serious. I had a good chat with him in the summer about how different this year was for him and. He, he kind of talked about it being almost like the difference of adjusting from a junior summer when you're playing in the WHL and heading back to the WHL to making the adjustment to, okay, now I'm a pro, now I'm adjusting for the AHL. He felt like this summer was, okay, well, now I'm making an adjustment to be an NHLer. So he's had a great start. Uh, I think he's a player that fits into a structure extremely well. As, like, he's not a guy who's going to blow you away with anything, but I think he's a guy who can play third-pairing defense in the NHL because he can fit a structure. So... Uh, I've been impressed as in through three games. He's chipped in a little bit of offense, so Wu's kind of – I'm kind of keeping an eye on what he can do this season and where he can go uh, from the level that he's already at right now. Well, that's going to do it for
0: this edition of rink Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. For Chris Faber, this is Jeff Patterson. Thanks so much for listening. Canucks 5, the Panthers 3. This is Rink-Wide
1: Vancouver.